Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Akusia Ochi. And coming up over the next 90 minutes, former Sanitation Minister Cecilia Abnadapa in more trouble as the Federal Bureau of Investigations, as the FBI of the USA, begins probing his finances. Meanwhile, the former minister had an opportunity to vent at lawyer Martin Kwebu accusing him of biased commentary against her in the media space. We'll be telling you more on that story. Also coming up... Just also passionately wish to reiterate our plea to management to allow the various schools procure the food items to feed the students. Following frustrations with the release of funds to cook for senior high school students, the Conference of Heads of Assisted Secondary Schools, CHAS, wants the government to allow them run that business since it appears it's becoming difficult for government to run. And later on Eyewitness News. If the corruption among the political class is not tackled, then we will be in trouble, and a very big trouble. As a founding member of the new patriotic party, I am worried over how leading figures in the ruling party's presidential primaries are now publicly confessing these acts of corruption. Dr. Nyaho Nyaho Tamaklo speaking on his party's performance in government. He is not impressed at all. We'll be hearing from him. Later on, this is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTF. And we also have business news coming up later. Government intensifies efforts to reach agreements with bilateral creditors for debt relief. That's in 15 minutes from the City Business Desk. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations and across the globe on citynewsroom.com. We are interactive. Join us on WhatsApp 0549 986 Send tweets using the hashtag City Newsroom. Tweet at Umaru Sanda or at City973. If you're going outside Accra and want to know how to listen to us, in the northern region, you can tune to Nobia 98.1 FM in Nalerigo. If you go to the upper east region, we are on quality 88.7 FM in Garu. In the northeast region, we are in the northern region, we are on Radio Gaki 88.3 FM in Saboba. If you go to the Volta region, we are on Heritage 107.3 FM in Hohwe, as well as Freedom 88.1 FM in Sugakopa. In the Ashanti region, we are on Ajunpa 99.9 FM in Nkawie. If you go to the Bono region, tune to Greener 95.9 FM in Sunyani. In the Western region, we are on Ajunpa 100.7 FM in Takwa, Sky Power 93.5 FM in Takradi, and Beach 105.5 FM also in Takradi. We are live on citynewsroom.com. We are live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube. And we are interactive. 
Let's settle for details of our stories now. And the first one has to do with Cecilia Abinadapa. Well, she was in court today. And it has to do with a decision or a request that she made to the court asking for an expedited hearing of the case. Because if it continues or things continue the way they are, she may starve because her money has been seized by the Office of Special Prosecutor. Hansen Ajima was in court for us. He's joined us again on the line after uh, having followed that story. The whole day. Hansen, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. So the argument, first of all, yesterday we discussed the charges that were brought against Cecilia Dapa by the Office of Special Prosecutor. Today, it was to hear a motion. Share with us the details. So the motion was aimed at determining whether the application for confirmation of the freezing order and the seizure of her money will be held ahead earlier than October 18th. So when the Office of the Special Prosecutor went to the court to file the processes, so usually what you do is that you file the processes at the court registry and then you will take a return date. So the Office of the Special Prosecutor filed this instant application, the substantive application on September 11th and took a return date of October 18th. So that was some one month between the time the process was filed and when they were expected to appear in court today, uh, when they were supposed to appear in court. So today, what the lawyers of Cecilia Dapa sought to do was basically to say that waiting till October October 18th to hear the matter will impose more hardship hardship on them because their monies have been taken from them and their accounts have been frozen. Moreover, in their view, the fact for which the Office of the Special Prosecutor has sent this case to court are not new because if you remember, there was a first case where the court dismissed it. And so, based on these grounds, they prayed the court to now uh, abridge the time, essentially to set a date earlier than the October 18th. Should have been. And their prayer was for the case itself, that's the confirmation application, to be held today, which is October 11th. So that was the purpose uh, of what was supposed to be held in court today, and for which lawyers of uh, Cecilia Dapa and the special prosecutor raised arguments for and against. So the case will be heard tomorrow on the twelfth instead of waiting to the eighteenth. And is this the case involving the main uh, charges that have been brought against her, or just specifically has to do with the request that the OSP made to the court asking that it confirms the seizure and freezing of her money? This has to do with the request to uh, freeze and seize her money. For the aspect relating to the charges, uh, a uh, uh, date is yet the the, the 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 parties are yet to appear in court, as far as that is concerned. And so, tomorrow's date, which the court has agreed for them to come, is for them to argue whether the court should agree or permit with permit the office of the special prosecutor to continue to keep the 2.83 million Ghana cities. And over and five hundred and ninety thousand dollars that were found in her home uh, when there was a, a search at her house in Abelengpe on July 24, and when that money was received on 
September 5, and also for her bank account at Societe General and Prudential Bank to be frozen because the Office of the Special Prosecutor believes that these monies or properties are tainted property, i.e. the Office of the Special Prosecutor believes that the monies are either obtained as a result of corruption, are linked to corruption, or are proceeds from corruption. All right, uh, let's move to another thing that happened. Uh, this would be outside the courtroom or maybe outside the presence of the judge. We are told the former minister was not happy with Martin Kwebu and words were exchanged. There were, there were, there were, there were, you know, gestures or gesticulations. Well, so first in the morning, um, as early as nine, ten, nine twenty a.m., court started with uh, Justice Eric Chum uh, presiding, lawyers of Cecilia Dapar represented by Victoria Bat. Uh, or led by Victoria Bat, and also lawyers from the Office of the Special Prosecutor were in court. They argued out their case. They raised points of law. And the judge said he was going to retire into chamber to consider their arguments and affidavit before he comes out with his, judge, his ruling on the matter. But before he would do so, he would take some other issues. So there were some other lawyers present who had cases before the court to be heard by that particular judge. And so the judge, uh, the, 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 the clerk called out these cases and the judge dispensed with these cases. Some of them were civil cases, criminal cases, and also uh, contempt issues. One of the lawyers who had a case with the judge was uh, lawyer Martin Pibu. And he came in at the tail end of the argument between the office of the special prosecutor and the past lawyers. He was sitting at the uh, back of the, the last row of where the bar sits. And so if you have a picture of how our court system is, that's usually where the the judge will sit, which is referred to as the bench, and where the lawyers will sit in the bar. There's a front, the front row where those lawyers whose cases are being heard will usually be with the microphone, and then the other lawyers will sit at the back. And if they are called they move in front. And so Martin Kibu was sitting at the back. When the judge completed with everything and he was retiring into chambers, most of the judges went, most of the lawyers went out of the financial court too. Now, this is on the second floor of the high court complex. So just outside the courtroom, and so this should be the corridors where other uh, courtrooms are the lawyers were having engagements and uh, Madame Cecilia Dapa was in court together with her husband. So it was at this time that uh, actually uh, Victoria Bart uh, started to question uh, Mr. Kibu on some of the commentary that he's been giving as far as this case is concerned. Then Madame Cecilia Dapa also moved closer and uh, expressed her dissatisfaction with how Martin Pebble has been commenting on the issue. She was of the firm belief that Martin Pebble has been acting in an unfair and an unjust manner against her with his commentary. Um, the, uh, because initially, 
it was um, a conversation between lawyers. Uh, most of the journalists were inside the uh, courtroom itself, and this was happening on the corridor. And so for the exact words that were used, I cannot be specific on them, but uh, essentially, and also uh, the footage that we've reviewed since the incident happened, Madam Cecilia of course, was one who was not happy with Martin Pebble for his commentary on the matter. And we know Martin Pebble stands on this matter. He has granted various media uh, interviews, and he's indicated that the Office of the Special Prosecutor has every reason to prosecute this. He agrees with the Office of the Special Prosecutor for deciding to freeze their accounts and also to seize their money. And so uh, for Madame Cecilia Dapa, the commentary by Mr. Quibble really is not helping her case and she's not he's not being fair fair to, to her. So that's what exactly happened. So it happened uh, on the corridors of the second floor uh, in, in front of the door at the financial court to just some few uh, meters away from the uh, staircase. All right. Uh, so we, we've been trying to hear from Martin Ekwebu, but uh, unfortunately we've not been able to reach him to to hear what they may have uh, said to each other. Let's move to another aspect of this case. Again, Cecilia Dapa, that the Federal Bureau of Investigations of the U.S. has uh, also waded into this matter and that she's not just being investigated by the OSP, but also FBI. What do we know? Well, uh, from what we know so far, this is part of the Office of the Special Prosecutor's uh, arrangement and processes to make sure that he covers all aspects of the case. And so this is a collaborative effort, really, uh, between the Office of the Special Prosecutor and the Federal Bureau of Investigation um, of the United States. And uh, this is concurrent inquiry. So... What this means is that the while the Office of the Special Prosecutor is undertaking his own form of inquiries into the activities of the former sanitation minister and her associates, uh, the uh, FBI will also be doing so. And what we get is that uh, they'll be doing this hand-in-hand hand and perhaps be sharing information with one other. The aim, as we get from the Office of the Special Prosecutor who puts this information out there is to make sure that the wealth of uh, Ms. Dapa and her associates, uh, both in Ghana and those transitioning from Ghana to the United States, are lawful. And so for the Office of the Special Prosecutor, the aim primarily is to check that the funds that Ms. Cecilia Dapa has in Ghana that together with her associates, now these associates have not been been known. But again, you remember that in the confirmation application to the court, the Office of the Special Prosecutor revealed that Madame Cecilia Ladapa was engaged in an undisclosed uh, real estate business where she was using the name of aliases and agents who were helping her to do this. And so the Office of the Special Prosecutor says it's this collaborative effort between the office and the FBI 
is to affirm or to confirm that all transactions that is making from Ghana to the U.S. are lawful businesses. Finally, again, Hansen on the courts, um, Atu Asien, Emmanuel Atu Asien of Capital Bank, and we are moving from Cecilia Dapa now, is due to be in court tomorrow. Um, I recall she was, um, he, I beg your pardon, was supposed to have been sentenced after having been uh, found guilty of a crime, but there was an application that was brought before the court, which application the judge accepted, that instead of letting him go to jail, he should pay some monies to the state. This has been several months ago. We are hearing that that payment that he's supposed to make to the state has not happened, and tomorrow he may appear before court and he may likely be sentenced. What are we picking up? Well, what we know is that Atu ACN was supposed to make a total payment of 90 million Ghana cities um, to the state, for which he made 30 million Ghana cities last year, and was supposed to make 60 million, uh, pay 60 million by the end of 2023. And that was supposed to be paid in three equal installments. So 20 million by April, another 20 million by August, and then another 20 million by the end of November and beginning of December. But as of the time the uh, court was rising at the end of early July, ending June, early July, to go for the legal vacation, he had paid just about six million out of the uh, 60 million remainder left. And we know that there's a, uh, an application pending before the high court where the state is seeking to replace this fine that is in the, the fine that he's supposed to pay with a custodial sentence. So he was charged with uh, causing financial loss to the state for which he pleaded guilty to, and so he was convicted on his own plea. But instead of taking a custodial sentence that is going to jail, he will be late. And per Section 35 of the Court Act, failure to pay that will mean that he uh, may be giving himself up for the custodial sentence to be imposed upon him. And so when he, in, in April, beginning of in April this year, immediately he failed to meet the first payment. The Office of the Attorney General, led by Deputy Attorney General Fretian Yeboa, then sent in an application to the court for the court to now uh, sentence him uh, into jail or give him some jail term for failing to adhere to the terms of the plea bargain. But that application has not been held because his lawyers consistently have told the court that they need more time to make those payments. And before the court went on reset, uh, that is for the legal vacation, he was supposed to have made certain payments. At least, uh, Justice Eric Tabor for said at least he should have paid all the 20 million Ghana cities for the first tranche so that he will consider giving him another timeline to now pay the rest of the 40 million. But failure for him to do that will mean that he will be tempted to now 
ask the, 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 the state to move their application. And so what we expect to happen tomorrow when the case is called is that the state will first certify to the court or notify to the court if he's met his financial obligations under the plea bargain. If he has not met his financial obligations according to the plea bargain, of course his lawyers will be heard. Most likely they will be praying for more time for him. But the judge has indicated previously that he has been too magnanimous towards him. And so the expectation will be that the attorney general's office will be pushing for that application to be heard. Now, if that application is heard tomorrow, what then does that means is that it will now be at the bosom of the judge to decide if to give a custodial sentence to him or not. And so, uh, basically, this is what you expect tomorrow. Thank you so much uh, for that wrap of events from the court. Hansi Najiman is our court correspondent. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. You welcome back. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. We are coming to you from our studios in Adabraka in Accra. There's some disturbing story coming from the eastern part of Accra into the southern part of the Volta region along the Volta Lake. Now, it has to do with uh, the controlled spillage uh, by the Volta River Authority, which has opened the spill gates on the Kwong Dam, uh, which is leading to havoc. So, uh, we have seen multiple videos that are emerging about the challenges that people are facing there. I'm seeing videos where houses are submerged and um, some communities completely submerged. I'm just looking at a statement from the Electricity Company of Ghana. It's titled Power Outage. And it says, Outage due to flooding of sugar copper box supply point. Due to flooding of the sugar copper box supply point as a result of the Akosombo Dam spillage, the sugar copper box supply point has been shut down for safety reasons. Affected areas are Sogakopa, Akachi, Adidome, Angologan, Abo, Keta, and surrounding areas. Engineers from both Gridco and ECG are on standby to restore power supply to affected areas as soon as the water recedes. So that is the consequence of the water. Let's actually touch base with the areas now and understand what the situation is. Confucius Karadok Bejina is a resident of a community in the Central Tong District. He's joined us on the line. He's one of the areas that have been hit. Confucius, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Maya, for having me. Which town are you in? I'm currently in Bakpa, in the Central Tong District. So, Bakpa, this would be close to which other major towns? It's closer to Sugakope and then Adidome. It's between Sugakope and Adidome. It's actually an island that stretches from Sugakope to Adidome. So what has been happening to, to your community? Omar, uh, yesterday around 8 a.m., uh, we realized that the level of the water is fast rising. And so immediately the youth community leaders, we started 
evacuating people from their homes last night. But today, it was worse day because before this morning, half of the community have been submerged in water and then buildings were collapsing. As we speak now, I'm currently at the riverbank. We are still conveying people from the island to the nearby community. Fortunately for us, we have not had any loss of life yet. And not more officials were here, the chiefs, the MPs, they were all here to ascertain the issues. However, the NAMO officials could not help us in evacuating. They only told the community members to evacuate. And so they left everything in the hands of the residents. There was no technical support. But as we speak now, almost everybody now is being conveyed from the community. We are still having some few people there to do. That's in the situation currently now. Conveying no them from, from, from the community to where? Where are you taking these people to? We are taking them to New Bakma. So we are conveying them from Bakma, but we come to New Bakma. And just the short distance, we have to cross two rivers because the water has cut across the community. And so when we convey them from Azadwekuma to the river bank here, we need to use another canoe to convey them to New Bakma. The challenge, however, is now is that as of now, we have not received any relief items from NADMO, uh, being it uh, food, being it water, being it mattress, and a lot of stuff. And it, it's been a challenging situation currently. Now, what is the picture like in the communities you are evacuating? Um, I have seen videos from Asuchare, Akuse, Bato, where the water is above the windows of the houses. What can you report from where you are? The, the part of the community that are lower land have been submerged totally. Uh, they have been submerged up to the roofing level. The community has the high land and then the low land. All those houses around the low land have been submerged. Some have the water level at the window level, but some have been completely submerged. However, the few buildings that are the upper level have not had any any calamity yet. The water has not reached that level yet. But tomorrow, we interested to know that this morning, since from morning to now, the water has risen a lot. And so it is estimated that overnight, most of those buildings will be submerged. Now, were you warned as community members? And, and before then, I can hear a goat in the background. What's happening? No, we are currently at the river that conveys people to and fro. So people just arrive from uh, the other side. So that's very annoying. Oh, so you are moving livestock as well, I'm, I'm presuming. Yes, there have not been any live. You know, earlier in no, the I mean, you are moving animals. But I can hear a goat in the background. Yes, yes, they are moving animals. They are moving farms, goats, and everything. Okay, were you given forewarning before the spillage? Yes. So why yes. didn't you leave? Or why, didn't, why didn't you leave if you were told that there's going to be a spillage which will lead to the disaster? Yes, we were given prior notice. Even Nadmo was here yesterday. And so they demarcated an area that if the water reached that level, then we need to evacuate. Unfortunately, it was not even the following day. The water had passed that level during the night. And so for the notice, yes, Nadmo was here, VRA was here. 
they came to assess the situation, and then they indicated a point that if the water rises up to that point, then we need to evacuate. So by the following day, the water had passed it. So it was just something that came uh, in from But God is so good. Uh, we were not asleep. We were monitoring the situation overnight. Some people got out of their room, and within a few minutes, the building collapsed because the water came with a lot of speed. Wish you all the best, and please take care of yourself. Thank you so much, Umar. And then we use the opportunity to call on the social uh, social space. That as of currently, we need items. We need relief items for our people. We need places for people to sleep. We need tents. We need foodstuffs. We need medicine and anything that people can, I mean, use to help us. We are pleading with the whole country. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Confucius Karadok. Bejina, he is a resident in Bakpa, uh, in the central town district of the Volta region. And the news is that um, the 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 water this the water that has been spilled from the Kwong water works or the no the water works the dam in Akusi is causing havoc downstream. Alexander Roosevelt is a member of parliament for Central Town. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. I just spoke to a resident of your constituency uh, in Bakpa. I'm sure you would have also received calls from other parts of the of the constituency if you're not already there. What have you been hearing or seeing? I am, I am in the constituency. Great. So what have you been seeing um, in relation to this flooding that we're talking about? Oh, my brother, the situation is very, very precarious. Uh, a lot of communities and their houses are submerged in the water. You see farm, you, even electricity is affected because the stage, which is which is a past, which is a source to stabilize the pool and other things, also got lost. And the bare wire is on the ground. People are hungry. People have their rooms submerged everywhere. To be frank, you can't, and if you get to a Vavajukubasistan, when you step on the ground, you'll be sinking because that place is holy at Ireland. So the situation is very, very precarious, and I have 30 communities affected in my constituency. And I'm visiting them one by one. As I speak with you, I'm at I'm I'm the overbank, and I have just had a discussion with the people. And we put some measures in place to ensure that should it happen, they should find the idea so that none of them will get wrong. So far, you haven't received reports about anyone dying, have you? Sorry, I can't hear you. Can you say that again? No death is recorded. Awesome. Uh, but people are having to be evacuated. Apart from Bakpa, where we just heard that evacuation is ongoing, which other communities are you having to evacuate? Uh, the affected communities, uh, there are as many as 30. And I will mention some of them to you now. The communities include uh, Chechepo, Siamekome, Old 
having difficulties hearing you i'm guessing it's because of where you are apologies yeah. uh, we, we cannot continue with the conversation because uh, it's really problematic but thank you so much that's the member of parliament for central tongue in the voter region honorable alexander roosevelt uh also painting a picture for us of the flood situation uh, videos are already all over on social media showing uh, various homes submerged and you're just hearing that the buildings are collapsing immediately after people move out and on our whatsapp platform people are sending us videos from those areas and the challenge is that uh, there was um, a controlled spillage of the uh, of the pond dam which is in akusi a dam on the Volta river uh, after the dam was spilled the devastation that has been witnessed downstream is becoming really really a big problem now when the dam is opened uh, the water goes down and passes through a number of constituencies and districts I've named a number of them there, but uh, one other one which is very close to the dam is the North Tongue uh, constituency before it goes through Central and then Southern um, South Tongue, as well as Shai Sudoku and a few other districts in that area. Let's speak to the member of parliament for North Tongue, Samuel Okujetua Blackwa. Uh, his constituency has also been affected. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. What is the picture in your constituency in relation to this uh, flooding? Uh, good evening, Omaro. It's a really difficult situation. Um, so here, Torin communities has been really a depressing day. Uh, thousands have been displaced. Uh, properties running into millions of Ghana cities have been destroyed. Um, I can uh, inform you that based on what NADMO officials and the VRA uh, officials are telling us, uh, North Town is the worst affected. Uh, they are currently here with us, uh, and uh, it's really a tragic situation. Uh, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm lost for words. It's really difficult. You see, you see entire villages that have been submerged, entire uh, households that have lost their homes. Uh, there are buildings that are underwater. Um, Places that you would need to uh, commute to on land, either in a car or on a motorbike, you ha you now have to use a canoe. I have been using canoes all day, moving from place to place. So it's a really, really uh, difficult uh, situation. And uh, this is a humanitarian crisis. And I will urge the VRA uh, to... Um, if it is possible uh, in, in terms of uh, the engineering, because we know that if the dam also, uh, uh, if you like, uh, if, if its banks uh, are broken, the situation will even be more dire. But if they can slow down the discharge a bit to make sure that all our compatriots are relocated to higher ground, uh, it will really help uh, because the uh, rate at which these discharges are taking place 
the damage it is causing and the strength the if you look at the current of the of the water it's so strong and it is leaving a lot of devastation uh, in its in its in its wake were the people not forewarned and uh, what steps were taken to evacuate before the water came down so the uh, communities were were told a few days to September 15th when the discharges began. Uh, but uh, truth be told, the sensitization was low. Public education uh, was very, very low. So even though they put out a statement, uh, to be fair to the VRA, they put out a statement, uh, I do not... Uh, think that the community engagement and the sensitization was adequate, was deep enough. Even as a member of parliament, uh, I was not engaged and we didn't have a meeting, a sit down to see how we can really uh, uh, to prepare ourselves uh, for this, this village. And we were not also told the enormity of the of, of the of this village. Look, many elders are telling us that the last time they saw something of this nature was 60 years ago. Things uh, have been empty. I've never seen uh, discharges on this scale. Uh, this is overwhelming. And if they knew they were going to carry out this historic uh, spillage, they should have done more engagement. So, uh, even though at this point in time. I do not want to be pointing accusing fingers. I want all of us to rally as a community. Every stakeholder should do their part uh, to keep human beings alive and to salvage what is left. Uh, it is important to be objective and to be honest and to learn lessons uh, so that moving forward, uh, we are able to prevent uh, some of this uh, avoidable devastation from occurring again. Thank you so much, and uh, please do keep helping the people. And we are told that uh, NADMO has not really come in with any interventions. What do people need urgently before you go? So urgently, uh, we are relocating the people to a higher ground, the Methodist and Kizito Secondary School. So they'll need food items, they'll need shelter, uh, clothing. Uh, when I say shelter, I mean tents. Uh, tents will be helpful. Uh, they would also need some personal effects. Uh, I have provided a few already. I've provided life jackets to help them uh, cross uh, from one point to the other. We are also setting up a fund uh, which I've contributed to, to help with transporting items, uh, but we will certainly need more support if the fund can be populated and if uh, uh, people who have good hearts and humanitarian um, desires uh, can reach out and help us keep these people warm and alive. We will really appreciate it. Thank you so much for speaking to us. That's Honorable Samuel Kujita Blakwa. He's member of parliament for North Tongue, one of the various areas hit uh, following the uh, opening of the floodgates of the um, Volta River Authorities Dam on the Volta River at Akuse Okpon, uh, which is resulting in havoc uh, in communities down that particular area. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens.
Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. You're welcome back. This Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. One of the stories we're looking at flooding in the downstream or the down part of the Volta River. Uh, which is a um, number of areas all the way to the to the other areas uh, following a controlled spillage of the Pont Dam. Uh, we've just been hearing from uh, various persons with interest in the area giving us accounts of what's happening. Let's speak to the National Disaster Management Organization now. Sergi Saji is one of the deputy directors of the NADMO. He's joining us on the line. Sir, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you. Obama. Um, what account have you received so far? And I'm sure that because uh, there was a warning about the spillage, you would have been informed by VRA. What steps did you take ahead of um, yesterday and today? And what have you been doing so far? Thank you very much, uh, Obaru. And uh, a very good evening to your listeners to as well. Um, yes, we have been working very closely with uh, VRA. Uh, for some time now, especially from the beginning of uh, this year. I think VRA uh, knew that this uh, level of spillage will happen. Earlier in the year, they collaborated with us to actually stimulate what they call an EPP, which is an emergency preparedness plan. And this plan is to handle situations when they are about spinning or opening their steel gate to spill uh, quantums of uh, water from the dam, uh, which they have graded into various uh, phases, phase one, phase two, phase three. The most serious phases are phase two and phase three. Uh, early in September, they had sent out the notification. The EPP spells out clearly the notification procedures. It goes to the head of DICEC, which is the district chief executive. The district chief executive then informed the assembly and not know and they go into the communities to inform community members about uh, an impending uh, village and what the community should do. Unfortunately, what has happened is that, uh, as you said in your introduction, it is no more a controlled one. Controlled one was this one. Now they are spinning at a rate that is wrecking serious havoc in various communities. A lot of communities have been completely inundated. Hardly hit our three uh, districts, North Town, Central Town, and South Town. As we speak, we are in North Town now, and four particular areas have serious problems that uh, uh, community members cannot stay in their homes, and there's a a serious uh, agency to move them to save everything. Now, because we have pre, uh, done some work prior to this happening, we had earmarked places for save everything. So, at Mepe in St. Kivito, and that is where we are actually moving uh, people now. Fortunately for us, we met almost all the stakeholders, the MP, the DC, and all of us, and together we found me to move people to those save haven. As we speak, that movement is going on. Whilst we were coming, we needed to also mobilize 
some relief items to attend to those people we'll be putting into the safe haven. So as soon as the people settle down, distribution of relief items to those people will be done. So do you have a map of communities that are affected? And I see you mentioned three districts, but you left out Shai Osudoku. I've seen videos of Asuchari and other communities in Shai Osudoku also submerged. You do not have yes, that in uh, your in your plan? We have. I, I said those that are badly hit. You know, we have... Because uh, the video I've seen, have you seen one from... For Akuse, Akuse is well, in. I am not. I am not looking at videos. I'm actually there. Okay, I know. I know. I'm just saying that. Exactly. So I'm just so saying that your map. Have, let me just give you information as to what happens. We have nine districts on the down, down, downstream of the Volta River. Four of them in the Volta region. Three of them in in uh, Greater Accra. Eastern region. No, three of them in Greater Accra. And two in the eastern region. The greater Accra ones are Shao Sudoku, Ada East, Adam West. So Ada East has not been hit yet, but Shao Sudoku has been hit. But Shao Sudoku has not got to the level where people are moving to safe haven. But even that, we have predetermined safe haven that when the water reaches a certain level, people will move to those safe havens. How about how, how about how about Lower Manya and um, uh, Yilok? Exactly, those are the ones in the eastern region. And Esujaman, I believe, would also be part it, of the area. Yes, Esujaman. It actually starts from Esujaman. But what is actually happening? You said from the phone down. It is not coming from the phone down. This spill is coming from the main Akosombo Dam Reservoir, which is completely full now. And the upstream that discharges into the, uh, the the reservoir is also full. And that is why they are killing to create space in the reservoir to contain what is coming from the upstream. So, now, that so, water so, runs through the pond dam. So, normally, the rate at which the water is coming from the Akosum is the same rate that it goes through the pond dam. So, it is actually coming... Okay, so so they've opened the Akosombo Dam, not the Pong Dam. Yes, 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 yes. But if the if the water from the Akosombo Dam is released, it goes through the Pong Dam before it goes downstream. It just goes through Pong Dam. Yes, the water is not originating Pong Dam. I see. That that's interesting. So. A number of communities asking for blankets, you know, uh, mattresses, tents, and all of these things. You are doing evacuation first before you provide them with this necessary uh, equipment that they need or necessary items they need to, to survive ah. the night. How are you going to deal with that, especially as we're having this conversation in the night um, now? We have those items now. We have some of them at Central Town. We have some of them at... Uh, uh as we speak. Okay, and distribution, where would that be? So, sorry, sorry, I lost I lost you there. If you could just say that again. Immediately because it's happening now that this morning and uh, apologies, we are really having a difficult uh, um, line there to 
the deputy director general we have to end our conversation unfortunately he's saji saji he's the deputy director general or a deputy director general deputy di director general of the national disaster management organization nadmo this eyewitness news on 97.3 ctfm uh, let's move from the issue of flooding in that part of the country and talk about feeding in senior high schools Akosia. the heads of assisted senior high schools charles is unhappy with the long delay in the supply of foodstuffs to senior high schools across the country charles says senior high schools should be given the opportunity to purchase its own food items for its students speaking at the 61st at National Annual Conference, President of Charles, Reverend Stephen Obususetre, says Charles must have a say in the food items given to schools. Charles also passionately wish to reiterate our plea to management to allow the various schools procure the food items to feed the students. In each year, this has been our holy and unblemished requests from Charles for a couple of years now. This has become necessary because of how at times some suppliers disappoint us in delivering some food items on time and in time for varied reasons. We are of firm belief that procuring the food items by ourselves from our traditional suppliers will curb the acute shortages of food items in our schools and also reduce the logistical and operational challenges that come with it. Nietzsche, it is worthy to know that it takes significant amount of efforts, money and resources to operate students, to prepare students for the national science and math quiz competitions, sporting activities, cultural and other co-curricular activities. Charles is therefore expecting timely and prompt release of funds to schools so as to not to extinguish the great potential some of our students possess in this discipline. Nietzsche, as principals, as school heads, we are obliged to advocate for the resources our schools need because adequate funding, availability of infrastructure and staff development are essential components of a thriving school system. We should therefore continue to engage with policymakers, management of GES, parents and other stakeholders to ensure that these needs are met. In the face of ongoing global challenges, we have been tasked to prepare our students for an ever-changing world. This means that we cannot but embrace innovation of pedagogy and curriculum development. We must equip ourselves to be able to lead the way in fostering critical thinking, creativity, and adaptability. But let us not forget that our responsibility extends beyond academics. We must create inclusive and safe learning environments where every student feels valued and supported. In a country as diverse as Ghana, our schools must integrate our differences and promote unity, tolerance, and understanding. Furthermore, the importance of collaboration cannot be overstated. The proverbial African saying, it takes a village to raise a child, holds very true in education. Let us work together, share best practices, 
and learn from one another's experiences. By doing so, we can elevate the quality of education across the nation. You had the Reverend Stephen Owusu-Setra. He's president of the Heads of Assisted Senior High Schools, Charles. Let's do some politics because a founding member of the New Patriotic Party, Dr. Nyaho Nyaho Tamaklo, has expressed deep concern that personal interests and ambitions of the political class are gradually chipping away at the foundations of the nation's democracy. Nyaho Nyaho Tamaklo, a former chairman of the Ghana Football Association, at an address at the press center on the topic, the state of Ghana today said Ghana's democracy is at risk due to the self-serving interests of political leaders. Ideally, we should be happy and watch with satisfaction the present democracy we are enjoying. However, the experiences of Brigadier General Nunumensa and myself Captain Nyaho Nyaho Tamaku in the dark days of this dear country of ours gives us a cause to worry. In fact, in the old age of ours, we don't sleep soundly at night. Ghana has been riddled with perceived corruption of political public office holders, amassing unexplained wealth, tribalism, nepotistic and parochial in their interests, especially under this regime of President Akufo Addo. How do ministers hold statues of cash in foreign and local currencies in their homes, acquire properties in prime areas of Accra and other parts of the country, drive the most luxurious cars, and live extravagantly and expect our youth, who remain largely without meaningful employment, to be satisfied. These are critical warning signs going to destroy the security of the state. We need to pay critical attention to this. Fellow countrymen, the Akufuado I knew Had and had no and had numerous dialogues and demonstrations with is not the Akufuado who is now president. What many Ghanaians may not remember is that Brigadier General Nunumensa was the campaign manager of President Akufuado in the MPP's presidential primaries in 1998. And I was also a member of that team too. So, we know what we are talking about. As a young medical doctor in the Ghana Armed Forces, years ago, 
I experienced despicable disobedience within the ranks and tribal considerations by the leadership of the day in decision making. And these are again manifesting today. In my book that I wrote, Never Say Die, I, call, I, I catalog many experiences within the period, ultimately my imprisonment in Izawam and Osha Fort Prison. Now look at how this country that we fought and toiled for to have this democracy restored is being destroyed through personal interests. You had uh, Dr. Nyahu, Nyahu Tamaklo, he's founding member of the governing New Patriotic Party. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. It's time for City Business News and Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Akosi Aocha. Let's settle for the details. Finance Minister Ken Furiatan, Central Bank Governor Dr. Ernest Addison are intensifying their efforts to reach an agreement with bilateral creditors for debt relief. Now, the agreement is crucial for Ghana to secure the second tranche of $600 million uh, from the $3 billion bailout package. The endeavors are supported by the IMF chief who has held meetings with them in Morocco during the 2023 annual IMF and World Bank meeting. Now, the IMF has praised Ghana's strong policy and reforming commitment under the program, which he says, uh, it says, is bearing fruit and leading to signs of economic stabilization. Now, inflation has dropped for the second consecutive time as figures recorded for September falls to 38.1%. Well, this represents a decline of the 40.1% inflation rate recorded in August, signifying a 1.9% difference. Food inflation for September was 49.4%, with last month recording 51.9%, while non-food inflation slowed to 29.3% against 30.9% recorded in the month of August. Here's a government statistician, Professor Samuel Kobina Enim, given highlights. In the month of September 2023, annual rate of inflation stood at 38.1%, indicating a 2.0 percentage slowdown in the rate of inflation. Despite the slowdown in the rate of inflation, prices of goods and services in Ghana continue to increase. As relative to September 2022, prices of goods and services overall have gone up by 38.1% between September 2022 and September 2023. Disaggregating this from a food and non-food inflation perspective, food and non-food inflation Food and non-food inflation recorded a disparity in excess of 20 percentage points, specifically with food inflation recording a rate of 49.4% relative to non-food inflation, 29.3%. 
While we see a 2.5 percentage drop in food inflation, we are seeing a 1.6 percentage drop from a non-food perspective. For inflation on imported items and inflation on locally produced items, we see a 1.6 percentage point difference between food inflation between locally produced items and imported items, with imported items recording a higher rate of 39.9% and locally produced items recording 37.3%. From a regional perspective, we continue to see the Northeast region recording the highest rate of inflation of 54.4%, higher than the national rate of inflation of 38.1%. Government statistician Professor Samuel Kobna Enim. Now, the Minister of State at the Finance Ministry, Dr. Mohammed Amin Adam, has expressed confidence that the government will further drive down inflation when it kick starts phase two of the planting for food and jobs initiatives. Other ministers stated that food inflation alone is responsible for the country's soaring inflationary levels and government is taking delivery measures to reduce it. Well, if you decompose the uh, food inflation, you will also notice from the data that imported food inflation was about 63%. Mm -hmm. And then domestic uh, food inflation was about 51%. Yes. So it meant that the food inflation was largely influenced by the imported uh, food. And I you know that... Yes, yes, 51 is still high. But if you compare that to 63, then, of course, you will know where the difference is. Mm -hmm. And so... Uh, where food prices globally increased significantly following the Russia-Ukraine uh, challenges and even the fight over grain, grain supplies from uh, Ukraine, India decided to ban export of rice you know, to other countries. All those contributed to food inflation increasing globally. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we also import significant amount of the food we consume here, you were expecting to have imported inflation. Minister of State in charge of finance, Dr. Mohammed Amin Adam, there in that interview with Bernard Ablett on the uh, Point of View show on City TV, scheduled to air at 9 p.m. tonight. Do well to uh, tune in at that time. Well, that's all for tonight's edition of City Business News on Eyewitness News. We have details of these stories and many others on our website, citybusinessnews.com. I am Ecosiology. Up next is Point Blank. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight on Point Blank. We'll talk about the people who have been picketing at the Ministry of Finance since yesterday. They are aggrieved customers of an institution that's now defunct 
Black Shield or Gold Coast fund management company. They say their money is not being given back to them, so they've gone to the government cashier to say, give us our money. Charles Nyami is the convener of that group. Charles, you're welcome to Point Blank. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing very good. Are you? I'm well. Give us a backstory to this, your protest. What is the genesis? Thank you very much. Greetings to your listeners. Thank you very much. Greetings to your listeners. It's all about our approved bailout package by the parliament for our payment. After the company fell, the government made the customers submitted evidence of our investment claims through the various consolidated banks across the nation. When that was done, after uh, scrutinizing our investment, uh, our document, the regulator, which is Scrutination Commission, budgeted for 8 billion Ghana cities for our payment. This 8 billion was put into two different tranches in two different budgets. That's the media 2020 budget. They allocated, the finance ministry allocated 3.1 billion, which I have evidence of the financial statement, copy of the financial statement with me. And these monies were approved in the media budget of 2020. And when this money was approved in November 18, 2020, getting into the elections, these 3.1 billion that were that, that, that was approved were used or was used to do something we call partial bailout. The government called it partial bailout, which is the government capped the payment up to 50,000. It means that investors who have investment beyond 50,000 will get only 50,000 of their investment. Then the remaining is pushed for further payment when the remaining balance is approved by parliament and those who have investment not more than 50,000 got all their monies paid to them so that reduced our number from the ranges of 100,000 we were around 140,000 it will reduce it to i think 61,000 as it stands now that's number of people affected yes okay. customers of gold coast fund management mm -hmm. but we have other we have other 46 fund management customers who also suffer the same and they, they also received that sort of payment with us. Good. So... Because I think over 50 fund management companies had their money Initially, it was 53. Yeah. And... When they appealed to the uh, committee, in uh, uh, three were given the alliances. When we were asked to file our claims, no claims were filed against three companies. So it remained only 47 of okay. the companies. So just a backstory. 2019, that's when the government decided to, the SEC decided to withdraw or revoke the license of these fund management companies. Yes. The SEC held a view at the time that they were not able to pay their customers and had to intervene. So the licenses were withdrawn and then that led to the problems that you guys are facing. Even that narrative was not the was not true. It's not true. It's not true. That right. narrative is not true. The truth is, in June 15, thousand and eighteen, mm -hmm. Security and Commission, because of the financial cleanup exercise, released a directive to all fund management companies that a product called finance, uh, structured finance which they sell to their customers in the form of fixed deposits they should stop and they should wind up all existing portfolios within the space of six months and give them their money meanwhile people have invested for let me say one year two years three years in long-term portfolios where the customer the, the companies who have invested in another long-term uh, investment portfolios somewhere so they were given 
only six months to wind up existing investment and pay the customers. And that brought panic withdrawal. Mm-hmm. So that's how come the, the companies then had a struggle paying people. Yes. So that's the, that, this is the genesis of the whole problem. So the government caused the problem the government and then... The caused it because of the financial cleanup exercise. And went ahead to shut them down. Or, yes, that or, is the, that's, that, that's it. Okay, because the official account from the government is that, uh, or the SEC, is that it, it had to revoke the licenses because of the impending problems. Eight billion cities or so. They were sure that that's how much problem there was going to be. So they entered it. It was a preventive act, they believe. No, you... I didn't know we are going to raise this issue. I would have brought copy of the letter that SEC released to all these fund management companies. So that is the genesis of the problem. So after it, when the uh, in twenty twenty main budget, in twenty twenty one main budget, the remaining five point five billion was budgeted. Then after the approval, we have not seen any disbursement. So when you say budget. Uh the finance minister went to parliament and told MPs or Ghanaians that uh, there was a winding up of a company. The people have to be given their money. So this is how much I'm budgeting to pay them, correct? And the Security Relations Commission that raised an amount of, that said that an amount of 8 billion can pay all these 47 fund management companies' customers. Mm-hmm. Then the finance ministry allocating it into the budget, they added it in an excess of 600 million Ghana cities. They, they allocated 8.6 billion okay. for our total payment because there may be other people may, who, who may be... Excesses. Yes, excesses. So that is understandable. So when the remaining part was approved in the year 2021 budget, we have not seen any payment. The legitimate issues that we are raising is that right now, document available in the public domain indicates that the finance ministry is claiming that they have spent 25 or 26 billion to clean up the financial sector let's digest the component of this 25 or 26 billion you realize that they claim they have spent a little over 17 billion in cleaning up companies that fell directly under the bank of ghana that's the main banks the savings and loans and the microfinances the remaining amount that sum the total amount up to 26 billion is over 8 billion that was approved for our payment mm-hmm. meanwhile we have not received the full payment of our monies but they claim they have spent this money and we are raising concern that if they have spent the money how come we have not been paid in full what 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 was the story with the 50,000 cities the 50,000 cities mm-hmm. the 50,000 cities when Part of the monies were approved. That's 3.1 billion was approved in 2020 mid-year budget, getting into the elections. Mm-hmm. And November 18, 2020, they started disbursing it in the form of capped amount of 50,000. So people who have investment beyond 50,000 got just 50,000. And we're, we were waiting for the approval of the remaining balance in the subsequent budget for our complete payment. So about how many people benefited from this 50,000 cap? According to the numbers of Security Generation Commission that I am privy to, they are saying that for Gold Coast Fund Management, over 70,000 of the customers benefited. <coughs> out of? Out of almost 140,000 of the customers. Okay, so about half. Yes. benefited yeah. but even the fifty thousand, is not the total amount it's yes. just a cap that the government has given you yes that that's what they'll give to you okay at what point then did these new funds 
come from the Ministry of Finance, and are you sure that these people have not been paid? Because I have a statement from the from the SEC, which I'll be reading a bit. Okay. But you're saying that after the fifty thousand payment, nobody has been paid again. You see, we had a meeting with Securities and Exchange Commission that is on the second of May, mm -hmm. prior to our protest at their premises, mm -hmm. and they told me that they are not even aware that in the mid-year 2020 budget, any amount of 3.1 billion was approved, and I was surprised. Let me read now the statement from the SEC. It just came a few minutes ago. Um, it gives the background, and then it gives. Um, it talks about your picketing, and then it talks about the rationale for obtaining winding up orders, and then it says why full bailout for Black Shield clients is still pending, and that's the part that bothers um on our discussion here borders on our discussion so let me read that it says why full bailout for black shield clients is still pending as indicated in press release on 30th march 2023 the liquidation petition is still pending in court and thus stalling government's full bailout program for the affected clients black shield or gold coast uh, have filed applications at various courts to challenge the SEC's decision to revoke its license. The unfortunate consequence of this action is that the official liquidator completion process, which has subsequently impacted government's ability to rule out the bailout program to in the posture of Black Shield and Gold Coast to the liquidation petition, is key to speeding up the process. As many can attest, the government has demonstrated commitment to the bailout program as evidenced in the partial bailout, which has benefited customers of Black Shield and Gold Coast. Even as we <coughs> empathize with the very difficult conditions of clients affected by the legal holdup, SEC wishes to appeal to claims uh, to come and encourage affected clients to rely on information provided by the SEC, an official liquidator. Affected investors or members of general public are encouraged to contact the SEC uh, okay, or alternatively to the Office of the Official Liquidator uh, for inquiries on the issue. The press release is issued pursuant to Sections 3 and 208C of the Securities Industry Act 2016 Act 929 as amended. So this is issued by the SEC. In summary, SEC is saying that there is money they are willing to pay you but there is a court problem uh, which has been brought before the courts preventing the official liquidator from proceeding and so your blame should go to the black shield and gold coast not them they are willing to help you but they are restrained by the court you see scc is talking about different things and we the customers we are also talking about different things okay they are talking about case between the government <coughs> and Gold Coast Fund Management as a company in court concerning the revocation of the alliances. In this case, no side or both sides had not raised any objection to the payment of the partial bailout. The payment of the partial bailout or the payment of the bailout package is not part of the ongoing case in the court. It is the government, out of its own discretion, that wants to hold with the customers to ransom to secure the liquidation order. That is why they are bringing in condition that unless they get liquidation order, mm -hmm. they will not disperse the approved bailout package. Mm -hmm. And come to think of it, 
the elucidation order has nothing to do with a, 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 a parliamentary approved bailout package. Yeah, but if the government had two options mm -hmm. to choose any to pay us, mm -hmm. that is either to go a liquidation route, mm -hmm. that is you go to the court, you take order, then you sell the assets of the company and pay us. But according to a statement of Security Federation Commission in dated 2nd September 2020, mm -hmm. they said that they engaged the government through the Ministry of Finance and convinced the government to use a bailout route because of experience that they have on liquidation matters mm -hmm. that some can take even 20 years based on experience that they have on their table. And the government agreed that it's going to use a, a bailout route to pay us. Now, a process that you say can delay up to 20 years after the bailout package is released, you are using that process as a condition to disperse the bailout package. Mm -hmm. Then what is the essence of convincing the government not to use the liquidation route but the bailout package? We are not raising issue. Our, our concerns is not about the case going on. In the case. We are raising legislative issues that the finance minister says that it has spent $26 billion. Within this $26 billion is a component of $8.6 billion approved for the total payment of fund management customers is it true if yes it is true <laughs> then how did the finance minister expended that portion meant for our full payment and we have not gotten the money the challenge to speak to those issues the legal issues they raise and i'm going to read for you they say that we emphasize that full disbursement of bail and funds only occurs after validation of claims and winding up order by the court they say they've done the validation already this is to ensure that all claims are verified and that the assets and liabilities of the companies are transferred to the Office of Registry of Companies. In compliance with the Corporate Insolvency and Restructuring Act 2020, that's Act 1015, as amended by the Corporate Insolvency and Restructuring Amendment Act 2020, Act 1031, a winding-up order can only be granted by a court, hence the ongoing court process between the Office of the Registry of Companies and Black Shield Gold Coast Company. The Office of the Registrar of Companies has been granted 44 winding-up orders by the court and only two are outstanding, namely Black Shield and Gold Coast and Crown Capital Limited. So they have explained their restraint here. They say that they have gone to the court and if they don't have it, they said it is the... It has to be... The, the, the winding-up order has the to be granted is, by the, the court. The question is, mm. those 44 companies that they claim they have gotten their winding-up orders... Have they paid their customers? Their customers are not, are not demonstrating. So they, no, they, they have it, not it, paid them. It, but to, no, but why know. are they not demonstrating? First bank, first bank mm -hmm. joined us on the protest. Ask your media guys. We haven't heard from first bank. Oh, it is it is I, Black Shield and uh, I said today Gold first Coast. bank. Even some of the media station interview. They came there with their banners and their placards. I'm telling you the truth. And tomorrow, tomorrow they are going into the meeting with us. Their leadership are going into the meeting with us. So if they they have not paid them. So for you, because there's a budget, it should be paid. But the government cannot engage in any legality if the court has not granted. No, and there's no, a... no, you don't understand the point. They are just deceiving the public. That's the point that I want to make. A bailout package has nothing to do with a liquidation order. But they say because that the liquidation... they are losing the case in court. That's why they want to hold us to ransom. That's what is happening. Let me tell you. They're quoting the, the, they are quoting the law. Let me, they are let quoting me, no. the amended law. What did, did the amended? What is the amended law saying? They said that the amended law, Corporate Insolvency and Restructuring Act 2020, uh -huh. says that a winding up order can only be granted by a court. 
Uh-huh. So they should go to the court and, co- and take it. Yes, but they are in, they are they, no, are, they are being challenged. We by are black, not black being shield. paid by liquidation proceed. Mm-hmm. We are being paid by a bailout package, which is approved by Parliament taxpayers' money. Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with a liquidation order they are they are seeking in court. Let me tell you, even if the liquidation order must come before they pay us, let me tell you something. In the courts, we have been sitting through the court processing. In this liquidation case, mm-hmm. the court has requested that they should present a server which they seized from Gold Coast Fund Management as a company during the revocation mm-hmm. so that the court can juxtapose some of the figures that the Securities and Nation Commission and the Register General Department has presented as figures owed to customers. They have not done it. The, this server is in the custody of Securities and Nation Commission through Iyoko. Through Iyoko. And when the court ordered Iyoko to bring the order, they said that the server is missing. So if you truly want the liquidation case to be dealt with before you pay us, how can you tell us that the server is missing? So where do you think your money has gone to then? The money that was supposed to be used to pay you? It's sitting with the finance ministry. Because, listen, we are, we are saying something legitimate. Monies have been approved. They say they have spent it. But the purpose for which the monies were approved for has not been attended to. Why don't you go so, to Parliament and tell the MPs that the money they approved has not come gone for what it's supposed to be used for? So they should uh, they should trace it for you. That is the challenge we have in this country. We have petitioned the Speaker of Parliament twice on this case. We've heard nothing. We've petitioned the minority caucus and the majority to caucus twice. We heard nothing. We petitioned the. A finance committee of parliament twice and have you tried the public accounts committee no we haven't maybe but, you should but, but, but why should we go to that extent mm. if we have petitioned the speaker we have petitioned the finance committee of parliament why are they not responding so the only option for you now is to pick it that is the only option left you have done two days of picketing we are told that the minister of state at the finance ministry met with you today what did he, he say to you? He engaged us and he scheduled a meeting with us tomorrow. Okay, so he didn't say much. He yes, just invited it was you just to a meeting. A standing, a standing exchange. Mm-hmm. And he scheduled a meeting with us tomorrow. So what should we expect tomorrow? What would you go to the meeting with tomorrow? What would be your plan? We are going to ask just a few questions. Is it true that the finance ministry have spent eight, eight, uh, $26 billion? In clean up the financial sector if the answer is yes yes what are the components of these uh, 26 billion is the 8.6 billion inclusive if the answer is yes then they should go ahead and disperse our funds so show or, or show you who they give the money to because the idea is that the money has been disbursed the or, ma- the, or the money has not been disbursed it has not been disbursed. so it's sitting in the account yes so they should just give you back your money it's not sitting in the account because they have the document of Labu said that they have spent it in clean up the sector. So you want to know where it has who, where, who has been given that money? Yes. I don't know if it is like what happened at the Bank of Ghana where over 60 billion they can't account for. Mm. Maybe they can't account for these ones too. Then they should tell us. <sighs> Go for the meeting tomorrow. We'll hear from you afterwards. Thank you for speaking to us. Thank you too for having me. That's Charles Nyami. He's convener of a group of uh, customers of uh, an institution that is now defunct, Black Shield, uh, or Gold Coast Fund Management Company. They're saying that money that's supposed to be given to them, which money has been approved by Parliament, 
has not reached their accounts and they're wondering where their money is. They'll be meeting with Dr. Amin Anta tomorrow to put those questions to him, to prove and show to them where their monies have gone to. But that will be it for Eyewitness News tonight. My name is Omar Rusanda Amadou. I did it with Akosia Autry. Production by Kobna Wilson, Sami Biafi and Beverly London with technical support from Daniel Squashi and new media support from Edwin Kwakofi. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Thank you for listening. Have a good night. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959 and get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM and on Twitter at City 973.